This is a call to all current and aspiring entrepreneurs. How you market your business can be the difference between whether or not you succeed online. But don't worry, we're here to help with current strategies, tips, and tricks that you can apply to your online business or business idea. This is the EMJ Podcast with your host, Matt Hepburn. This is episode two of the EMJ Podcast, where entrepreneurs share their stories and bring insights from their struggles and challenges as they market their businesses online. I'm your host, Matt Hepburn. Today on the EMJ Podcast, we are joined by Jeff Coyle, a co-founder of Market Muse, a SaaS AI platform. Market Muse helps you establish and build topical authority, improve content quality, and get the most out of every dollar spent on content development. Jeff co-founded Market Muse in 2015. It is with great pleasure that I welcome Jeff to the show. So, hey, uh, welcome, welcome to the, the show. show. Hey, how's it going? It, it's going great. It's going great. It's been a while since, it's been a minute since we've talked. So maybe six months, seven months, something like yeah. that. Right, right, right. Um, so I decided to do this uh, podcast because I'm inspired by marketing and everybody's journeys. And uh, I think that a lot of people would really appreciate you know, where people took products and, and uh, the challenges and how they overcame them. So that's kind of why, why we formed the uh, podcast. So, um, so Jeff, I, I was hoping you could tell people a little bit about Market Muse. I'm not sure that, you know, everybody knows what Market Muse is and, and, and really the great opportunities that it gives uh, a user versus traditional keyword research, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, but um, it, it's, it's an awesome product. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Uh, now, you know, a little bit about Market Muse. We're a content intelligence platform. Really sets the standard for content quality. Um, so what we're focused on is giving insights for teams to know what they should be creating, how much content they need to create in order to achieve a particular goal, whether it's thought leadership or owning something in organic search. Um, but through the lens of quality and through the lens of expertise. So you can always really know how much investment is needed for you to maintain or grow your presence on any particular concept or topic or initiative. Um, the, the platform gives access to kind of an on-demand lens on everything that you cover, all your entire inventory of content, all the topics you care about, and then allows you to execute um, in a number of ways, building on-demand uh, content briefs um, or many of the common workflows that uh, you know, content strategists, editors, writers, and SEOs take on every day. Um, and I think we'll probably get into that. Yeah, just uh, a little bit, just a little bit. Let me walk through the, you know, the journey that Market News has been on from being effectively yeah. a one-page application to being an enterprise software solution. So, so um, on that note, what inspired you to uh, to to make Market News? You know, I'm sure you had a lot of frustrations uh, as most SEOs and, and people who manage that. Um, but could you kind of tell me what was it the buyer's journey? Was it uh, frustration where, you know, enterprise companies just didn't get how much co content they had to make to be relevant or own that topic? Or what was what was the inspiration? No, there was a couple of things. Um, so the, my background, so I've been in this space, search engine optimization, product management, um, search engine design, uh, which information retrieval. Uh, you know, I went to college at Georgia Tech for computer science, um, mm -hmm. and I was even working on 
information retrieval and usability uh, software and UI software back then. Um, I worked at a company called uh, Knowledge Storm uh, from 99 till 2007. We were trying to convince software companies to have content on their websites. Um, and we were acquired by a company called Tech Target. This is the short version of yeah. my life, but I think it's the good one. Relevant to this, is, you know, I was working on um, at Tech Target, their in-house team, but also components of product management, some of the websites, um, acquisitions and migrations and all that fun stuff. The key there was we had, Tech Target had a 300-person editorial team yeah, of amazing. the best subject matter experts. I mean, really thought leaders in these very, very niche spaces. So backup software, security software, storage. Um, and I was in there, you know, I had all the data and I was like, hey, if you want to double traffic, here's how you do it. But there was a gap there. There was a gap between yeah. what the search engine optimization team could produce and what editorial leadership would immediately want to act against. Um, and a lot of these processes were painfully difficult. To run and analyze one topic would take 30 human hours to get pretty good outcomes. And the keyword research solutions of the time uh, were, uh, I mean, all the, there were spreadsheets with, you know, spreadsheets on a screen, effectively. Um, yeah. And then they're not much better now in some cases, uh, but, but, um, uh, and then, uh, so the, so my journey was, I was looking to find a solution um, that would do a particular task that was needed at Tech Target, actually uh, automatically classifying content. Right. But I always had these workflows in mind that I wanted to work on whenever I got time. I had built a lot of internal uh, tools and things like that, but I had never brought anything to market. And I found my co-founder, my now co-founder, had built infrastructure and the first version of Market Muse, which was a thing that analyzed content and analyzed a topic and told you what it meant to be an expert on that topic. And then allowed you to grade pages on it. And I was like, whoa, wait, I was looking for this. And I asked him, does this auto-classify documents? He goes, no, but it does do this. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's a 30-hour process. And at the time, you have it down to four minutes. And I was like, can you do this at the site level? And he's like, sure. Can you do this at the... And then a few months later, when I left, uh, I tech to go work at a, a private equity firm and do some consulting. Mm -hmm. He came back and said, hey, do you want to uh, do this full time and, and take the leap? And you know, I was like, yeah, these are the these are the problems that every writing team has. Whether it's a three hundred person, you know, they have the history. They used to be in print magazines. They know everything about the topic. Or a two person company who's just starting out, going, what do I need to do to get my name out there as a startup? You have these problems, you know. But what I found is working in enterprise is that. They, you know, you might have experts that know everything about it, but they don't know how to, sh you know, write collectively across a topic so they would show up for search, which is a completely different uh, thing. Yeah. And all the keyword tools that we still have, right, they've evolved, but um, they're very looking at that keyword or they're looking at questions related to that keyword there that's not the topic the broad topic how do you rule this topic what type of what are all the questions what are all the, all the subtopics that you need to actually become um to to rule this space right and how do you do that how and, and really going more into product-led seo right yeah exactly right and that's what i that's where i saw the opportunity and um I, we had always seen the opportunity as being that site-wide site strategic decision-making mm -hmm. 
But the initial implementation, those components of the software, most people don't know this, those components of the software, they were very uh, challenging to implement. Um, so we actually, our original software uh, had three pieces. It had a site level audit and a pay, and a, it two site level audit components and what is now optimized, but at the time was content analyzer, uh, which is the page level solution. It was the first of its kind uh, mm -hmm. that you can analyze a page. And um, we took away the other two pieces and just focused on the one uh, very early on in our in our uh, company uh, history. Um, and then we moved. Then we started building content briefs manually. Then we automated those. Um, and we were building content plans manually. I still remember the first automated content plan we built. It was horrifying. It was it was a big old pile of database code. And then we um, implemented the uh, the site level strategic element back in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, two or three years later. So, so that that's amazing. And um, you know, people don't. A lot of people don't realize. Uh, just having that kind of data, what that can do for a content strategy. And um, for me, it's it's amazing. And even on the enterprise level, um, sometimes they don't have budget for tools, right? So it, it's always frustrating as an SEO, uh, depending upon the company you're at, like uh, you've got writers, but you're not investing in tools, right? Um, why aren't you doing that, right? And when you, this could really make the difference. Um so let me ask you, uh, how did you, I, I know you used the tool to build your content strategy, but what was the, what, how did you say, you know, uh, are you going after other keyword uh, research tools or what was it that you, was it that type of strategy? Was it strategy where you say, you know, we want to go in a completely different direction uh, on how we market this? No, that's a great question. So the way I think about um, this is, is you've really got to understand where, the pains that you're solving, how mature are they in the market to be able to know how to market that? Um, and kind of an easy way of thinking about that is um, if you're going to build something that is already built, there's 20, 30 people already in the space, right? Yeah. It's going to be a very, very different go to market than something that you're building something that has been in the market a while but it's just mature uh, and people are, there's a lot of people trying to solve it, but maybe nobody hit it perfectly yet. Right. right. Then the other would be where not, no one has this, but it's a known need. Right. right. So yeah. And then you've got brand new, you know, greenfield. No one knows what's going to happen with this completely right. novel thing. So when we created, um, you know, our content analyzer offering, it was, kind of in between the um, nobody even knew what this thing was and it was in that growth phase. So we had that perfect opportunity to transition it in. So when we said, hey, the, what's the differentiated value? It is improving. We're the first solution that's looking at it from a quality perspective. Right. And, and, yeah. Right. And so the people didn't realize that they needed that. There are a whole bunch of algorithms that came around in the last few years that were talking more about quality content, relevance, most recent one with the helpful content update, now kind of targeting content that's written just for search engines. And uh, this is kind of what Google's been telling us for years, write great content, write great content. Um, but people really just don't understand what that means 
for ownership in search engine results, right? Um, but you're talking about 2013 and 14, right? And it was there was a there were a number of updates that were quality focused, but they were right. it was still a little, penguin, yeah, yeah, it was enigmatic. So you had link quality, you had content quality, but it was still enigmatic, and there wasn't extreme clarity as to kind of what that could have mean, right? right. So it was it was almost seen as a spam collection methodology, right. even though it did have components of quality assessment. Um, and it was before there was a lot of um, rewriting technology and things like that. There was before there was a lot of semantic unrelatedness and semantic yep. understanding. Um, and the, uh, the, the, so the, for us, we were kind of in that first mover advantage. However, sure. people still, um, it, it it took a long time for people to understand that they needed to have high quality content. They the first wave of people who used the solution, their immediate take was to use some of the tactics of the past, where you were kind of peppering in words and trying to yep. cheat, right? Yep. And so so that was the first wave, and then people started getting religion on that topic. We went into maturity on the page level solution. That's yep. when we had huge growth. Um, then we were like, okay, what's next? Nobody's creating content briefs. Yeah. Right. That's growth. Okay. We create them by hand. That's painful. Okay. Let's try to automate this. And then it slid down. Now, page level optimization is a must have for every organization. Everyone's got a solution. There's 70 software products in the market, as crazy as that sounds. And there's, you know, six or seven good solutions for briefs. And there's zero solutions except market news in place for planning and prioritization currently, but everybody wants to get there. And right. so that's where we are in yeah. our journey. I mean, there's, it, with uh, the, the NLP, the natural language processing from Google yeah. Cloud, yep. um, which, you know, really aligns with entities which have been around for a while, right. but people didn't really understand that if you look at the top 10 rankings in Google on for whatever topic that you're looking at, um, and you see how they align to those entities, right? How does your content align to that and also to the backlink strategy? So um, I love the fact that you are building something out more, I'm going to say it again, um, product-led SEO, where it is really looking at, we're not looking just at an individual page here. We're looking at how all the pages are semantically, uh, topically connected right. and how that um, will overall make you rank better in for, for your whole site authority, and uh, you're going to end up ranking for multiple keywords on the page instead of targeting one keyword per page. Um, and with a lot more question queries, you're going to give yourself the ability if you mark it up with schema to show up for rich snippets in, in search. So really great stuff that you guys are doing. Um, so I know one of the things you were talking about to me uh, via email was one of the questions you said is you had wished that you communicated earlier in the process why um, or why not earlier in that process. I was wondering if you could. Oh, yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, we were speaking about various kind of from from an entrepreneur's perspective as mm -hmm. a co-founder, you know, you you make way more mistakes than you ever imagined you possibly could. Right. right. And so I think getting really, really um, earlier in the process, getting more regimented about why are we doing this right now or why aren't we? But making sure that it's crystal clear and there's alignment 
about maybe why the market's not ready for this right. to go out or the market is ready, but for one reason or another, we're not making that decision and being okay, making that decision, right? Getting, you know, we, we have, we had many, many discussions over time. One example of that is with natural language generation. Right. Um, I mean, we had a planning, we, we built one of the first natural language generation platforms. It works. And it, the product we created the market, we, we were so early into the market that nobody knew what to do with it. Right. They were like, what is this fully produced content item? <laughs> you read it and you're like, this isn't that great. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not that great. That's the point. It's going to be <laughs> iterative, but it was expensive. We were yeah. early in the market. Um, it was expensive for us to build. We built it all ourselves, you know. I mean, um, and we we sat there in a, in a meeting uh, one time in, in the middle of, I think it was the middle of summer, we were in Virginia, or my CEO's house, uh, we had our offsite, and we literally, there was an elephant on the, on a whiteboard, yep. and it said, an LJ, <laughs> right? And it was like, it was like, guys, what, what we can do this, but it it's the, the market is so high. There's so much activity. There's so much investment. Can we invest enough in this right now yeah. to remain at the peak of that innovation? And we made the decision we can. We can go back and we can work that technology into our editor experience in a creative way when we have time to. But we're not going to be the, you know, when, when, when hundreds of millions of dollars were being poured into this, um, we weren't going to be the first um, and then a billion dollar investment into open AI was uh, put in, you know, we were like, we're not going to be at the tip of this iceberg. Um, we've got to wait, pick our spot. Think when the market gets more mature, we strike it like a cobra. We know exactly how it's going to work. We haven't yet made that move yet. Yeah. Um, but you got to get cool about questions. And I, it's one of my biggest uh, kind of learning as an entrepreneur has been, um, you know, Having documenting that and realizing that that's actually part of life. It's you got to actually be able to say, "Yeah, I'm doing this now. Why? No, we're punting this. You know, and, and then right. just like move on to the next thing and, and being okay with the, the, you know, yeah, we invested a lot of money in that, but we're we're not ready for that. Right. Yeah. For a long time, I for a long time, I, I just I, I sat there and I, I ruminated about. Um, what could have been in the early days and, sure. and played play results. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a card player as well. And they talk about that. Don't play results. You know, uh, it's not about whether you, in this case, not whether you, how you, you win or lose is if you make great decisions and make decisions with data every time. And I, I wish I could be more regimented about that over time and been much more precise with um, communication, my communications about my knowledge of the market. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that, that's what you go through over time. And, and I'm a, I'm a two-time entrepreneur. I have another business that, wow, our decisions are like crispy, uh, crispy, quick, fast, make the decision, move on. I don't care if you make a mistake. What I do care is if you don't make a decision and that that's, yeah. we were there with marketing news. I wish we had gotten there, you know, uh, a couple of years early, but you know, uh, for, for Aki and, 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 and I, we were both first time co-founders and it, it, we, we had to work our way through that. So I, I'm going to touch right onto that. So um, as an entrepreneur myself, and, and I've probably had two or three businesses that haven't done so great, and, and uh, they, they've done okay, but they've they you know they made some six figures, but they haven't done anything like market views. Um, 
and they were all agency based. And I realized I can only, I can't make other clones of myself. Right. So it was very limited and, and I kind of shut them down. Right. Um, but there's always fears, right? There's always fears when you have a business. Uh, am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? Um, it's got to be compounded when you are a software developer as to, um, you know, are you coming into the market at the right time? Um, is there enough demand and is that going to dry up or is this the beginning of wave? Could, could you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, you always, especially when, you know, when you're, when you're jumping off the cliff often in, in software uh, and SaaS to, to take, take the leap um, to, to be a co-founder, those initial waves, um, you know, also aren't coming with a paycheck. That's um, right. And I was, I was a vice president at a large public company, um, you know, with a 30 person team and worked at, you know, did consulting for a number of high profile clients, including a, a you know, private equity firm. Um, and, you know, you're, that's, that's good. That's good business. That's, that, that's yeah. good. And then you're going to like, a, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to have to work and, and no BS, you know, you're working. I always like love it when people say they're working 80 hours. It's real hard to work a true 80 hour and actually put yeah. that. You, you end up, you know, burning, burning out. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, somewhere between 40 and 80, the flux. Um, and in my case, also uh, uh, starting family um, and, and, and during the same process, I mean, it was a huge gamble um, and, and it was, it was challenging. And, you know, the, um, the, the key there is the, the overwhelming desire is to believe, right? You want that, but bad when bad stuff happens, mm -hmm. it's like staying in that belief mode without going into like trite, you know, like team or loyalty or mm -hmm. you know, like, like you're, you question yourself every day, but you got to start to question yourself constructively. Um, you you really got to trust people. Um, but recognize that they're not your best friends or your friends because right. you are a business. Um, and, and those, those things are always a struggle in, in SaaS. Um, the, the fear part really comes from saying like, oh my gosh, like it, it feel things, these things feel so bad. Is everybody going to churn? You know, yeah. um, is this inbound path going to stop working? You've got to question those constructively and say, okay, What's the worst possible scenario? What's what's the likely scenario? What are the early stages? Um, and really get out of your own get out of your own head earlier on. And that's a little bit trite to say, um, but what you really got to say is to get into and say, what do am I comfortable with the most likely outcomes here? Um, that's what's normally going to happen. Um, and yep. then when you focus on those repeatable processes and you focus on uh, processing and processizing where you can put human resource against it um, and get very, very particular with what you put into product, then life gets a little bit better. Um, and I wish that that was something that I thought more of um, earlier uh, where maybe something shouldn't be put in product. Maybe something requires a go to market before right a minimal viable product before it's fully built out. Right, but you can't do that in innovative and intro. That's the right. thing about product market. That's why you got to have how much um, 
how much heart are you putting in? How much trust? Because if you're in intro or you're in growth phases, mm-hmm. right, you're not going to have, in a lot of cases, um, MVPable product. You're also, you may be selling to um, a decision maker who isn't a user, right. depending on the likely price point of your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a couple things that go into place where um, you do need to trust the expertise and trust product management principles um, instead of market feedback if you're earlier in the uh, in the market, uh, not in the market fit, but if you're earlier in the market maturity. So, yeah. So I would suspect that it would be very hard to be agile and change the direction of where the product is going in a timely fashion, right? If you're seeing something happen, right? It must, because it's the the hundreds and thousands of hours of development uh, for something. So it must be very hard to pivot. It's hard to pivot. Um, It's it's not just, it's hard to pivot. So imagine the plate spinning analogy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you have obligations, let's say to investors, um, and you can't allow for plates to drop. Mm-hmm. Pivoting then becomes extraordinarily more difficult. So right. I'll give you an example, right? If you are, uh, if you have one product and it's doing pretty good, but it's not like magical, it's not, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's okay. Um, and then you, but you believe in this new product to come out and you launch it, being able to devote the energy required to crush that second product and do really well um, is very would be very, very challenging if you weren't able to have that other product degrade at the same right. time. Right. So, you, you, so, so basically, to pivot, you truly have to pivot. And many businesses can't pivot. They're not able to. So it's always good to look at your competitors through that lens too, to say, are they investment backed? Are they live? Are they relying on one product? Do they have the resources to support two? And then go from there. So in, in our case, what a number of times we've done in NLG is a great product. We've kept a certain small percentage for innovation, but haven't really been able to go all in on um, pivots because of our resource constraint or investment constraints. Um, but we've been able to work in enough value out of those experiences uh, to make them meaningful. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. A lot of these questions are all kind of blending in, t- in with each other. Uh, I-, I love this conversation. This is great. Um, so uh, with pivots and um, how do you actually have a support structure that's that's great for your business, uh, whether it's for your existing clients, um, customer experience, and or internally for your different teams of developers, um, um, especially as you're changing products or adding product line? It's 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 really tough. Um, I, I I as a kind of co-founder and member of leadership team, you getting. Uh, you're getting yourself and making sure that every every individual has potentially internal support and also external support has been critical to me. Um, and so in the form of, for individuals, making sure that if we have people in our network that would be appropriate mentors, no matter what the level, 
Um, that's critical. Um, for, for me, it took me a while because I was an in-house, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it had, uh, you know, you didn't really, I had my industry friends, you know, having spoken on the circuit since 2003. Right. I mean, yeah. And, and that was my, it was almost like, uh, uh, the brain trust third parties. I always was able to throw stuff off of them, but it was never the kind of support that you need as an entrepreneur. Whereas, right. holy right. crap, it, I can, you know, I can die tomorrow or, you know, like, is, is, is this pain ever going to stop? Or You, you, you need know, like, the trust of other CEOs that you can go to and go, what, what, what do I do now? Right. Or I am closing this, this issue. Right. Yeah. So the best thing that I ever did and I really fell into it was, um, join, a um, uh, what is now basically a psychiatric support system for myself. But I, I recommend that, uh, in, in the form of a mastermind. Um, right. Uh, and, and also, um, making sure that, you know, depending on how it spawns, you do have the potential to have, uh, mental health support as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, regardless of whether you feel like you've got it covered, like you can get there, whether it's professional or whether it's uh, 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 consultative. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's been finding that that tribe of people. I have that in SEO. I have that in um, right. two groups in SEO. But the one that has made the most impact on my life is, is having a mastermind of founders um, and, and that's been my, um, uh, had I not had them, I, I don't think I would have made it, uh, this far, uh, for sure. And that's really, uh, not just through business connections, uh, just like if I have a problem with email, I literally have the best person in the world in email on, on call. If I've got a put with an email, two of them, actually, if I have a problem with payments, I got the best payment person on the call, you know, in addition to. Oh my gosh! Like, I am having existential like crisis. Uh, I know exactly who to call. Right. I think a lot of people don't have that in their life, or they're relying on family for that. You know. Yeah, and so the SEOs are more about tactics, about what you could use or what you could add to the platform, but they're not actually your support structure for your right. business, right? Which exactly. is critical. That's you got to have it. You have to have it. And 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 I found real quickly that unless you are a founder, yeah. Um, and it's, this isn't elitist in any way. You just can't really get there. In the same would go for owners. So if you bought a business, I think you need an owners group. Um, that's a different situation. It's just as stressful. I mean, um, or if you're an operator of right. some sort, um, I think you need peers who have been in that similar situation. You also want the view of like in my case, I want the view of owners. I want the view of operators. Um, but you also really need the group, um, who you're connected with. Um, and I wouldn't look for the wow and the shock and the rubbing elbows and networking. That's nice and all that stuff. Like, right. but the support, that's when the value really comes out. It's, you know, it, it teaches you how to give more. And I've always been that way, but, um, Man, I've realized that um, putting my making myself available for everyone, whether it be customers, I'm more available for customers. I'm more available for just people, network, community um, than I ever have been. You just realize that making that time um, 
and then in your mastermind and in your groups, it it just, I mean, maybe it's just me, but it just, it changes my, I don't get frustrated at all about the market. I don't get frustrated about SEO. There are a few people on Twitter I could do without, but I don't get, <laughs> I don't get frustrated 92% of the time uh, where I used to be. I used to be frustrated all the time with when are everybody going to get it? They got to do this, you know. Yeah, that, that's not my way anymore. And no, I, 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 I'm learning to adapt in enterprise. <laughs> I'm still so, you know, six six to seven years in enterprise now, yeah. and it's tough. I'm still learning how to compromise with other. And the larger the organization that you're in, the more compromise you have to make because there's just not agreement. So you have to find pathways to work with people who are protective of what they've done and what is in their department and they don't want to see change happen. You know, uh, so how do you, how do you have them become an advocate for what you're doing by making concessions on your own side, because you might not get everything what you want, but, um, you know, how do you work together? And it's a major challenge, but, um, yeah, my, uh, Helping out and teamwork, uh, I, I totally agree with you by opening yourself to that um, and to others across team, you're able to um, get all more accomplished. So Yeah, I was lucky and um, I had a, a manager and a mentor for 15 years. The first 15 years of my career were the same person. Um, and uh, he was, he's probably the most talented consultative salesperson on the planet. Um, right. He's He's a magic. His name's Jeff Ramondry. You can look him up if you're listening to this. He's a, a longtime IBM mm-hmm. person, worked at Knowledge Storm Tech Target, and, and now runs an eight consultancy called Brand Publis. Um, But just through osmosis of his IBM, his his approach to IBM consultative selling, and then when I became a founder, and looking at all the consultative selling approaches, and I landed on a hybrid of uh, an approach called value selling. And IBM consultative selling kind of mushed together. And um, I got to tell you, if I had had that it, to start off first days in enterprise, I it would have been it would have been so much different. Uh, the way that you approach, um, you know, uh, de-siloing, the way you approach, you know, value selling, in applied to de-siloing, it, it's a, it's a jam. I think more tech SEOs and more um, more enterprise SEOs in siloed orgs would do best to learn consultative selling and more specifically value selling because um, there were so many times where I felt like I was punching a wall um, mm-hmm. and uh, with talented, brilliant people too. It was like, you know, brilliant product people, brilliant engineers who I... And, and, and content experts, right? So you said you had 300 plus. Yeah, right. uh, oh, yeah. yeah I have 40 where I'm at, and yeah. but, but still... Uh, 300 that's a dream right but that you they still are used to doing things their way well i was i I, if you had asked me in 2011 whether you know i was like they're really great at their jobs and amazing but they've got this big mental block when it comes Mm -hmm. to performance content but the reality was i was absolutely wrong too like it's it's not about that it's about figuring out the way to match value and yeah once you do that the, the world is different like, i have so much more respect in uh 
at, you know, after the fact. And when you're not inside the, the bubble of those channels, I have so much respect for product management team, oh, yeah. um, the writing team, the editorial staff, where there were days where honestly, I was like, oh my gosh, like you don't even look at your, you know, you don't even look at your, you know, uh, second page, second page data when you write a new article, like for wayfinding, huh, what, what, that's, that's, there's no, re they have no uh, profile of, 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 mm -hmm. but, and then on the flip side, you know, uh, they, I have a joke where there was a, a, a great writer, um, industry expert, and he said, you know, I've been writing about this topic since before you were born. And he's right. He was. He has. So it was like, it's like I know more about this than you could possibly ever imagine. Right. And so I catch myself when I'm saying, when I'm thinking that about, you know, now I've been doing SEO for 24 years. Yeah. Like, I've been doing SEO before you were born. You know, so what? Right. It, it, you yeah. know, there's so much of that in our, in our, in our life. And I was, I was part of it. And I think that being an entrepreneur versus like getting out of that enterprise world, you realize, wow. Um, the real masterminds are the ones that were thinking about value matches in order to de-silo. De and I, I think right now is the inflection point in SEO with the helpful content update. Oh, yeah. Um, that, yeah. that is the de-siloing requirement for these enterprises. Yeah. So, and, so, and, and it goes hand in hand with E. Yeah, you know, expertise, authority, authority, and trustworthiness, mm -hmm. along uh, with is your content written for search engines or is it written for users, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you have those two things together, right, and you're writing much more. So we're going to go back to to the to to the uh, product, right? So if you're going across the whole topic, right, for your whole site, right, if you're owning all these different topics, um, right, then you are going to be much more relevant on the site because your whole site is about this main topic and all yeah. these subtopics that are related to it, right? Uh, if you attach your authors to it in their bios, now you're going to show your expertise and your authority and your trustworthiness along with other reviews and other third-party signs, right? Um, and if you're making that longer-form content, uh, answering questions, then you can have uh, rich snippets for FAQ content, or if you're doing how-to content, now you can show up for the how-to, which is less common in enterprise uh, rich snippets. Um, that type of stuff is fantastic, right? And then if you have uh, kind of like lists of data, right? Uh, if you are a data business, right? And you have all that data that you can put in with your content, then you can have unordered list uh, rich snippets as well. So really a lot of way to tie that in. Um, but I know we've talked about enterprise a lot, but your tool is not just for enterprise. It's also for bloggers and for mid-sized companies. So uh, it's not just for enterprise. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, so I was wondering uh, if we could tie all that into the content efficiency and making sure each piece of copy has a purpose. Yeah. And what and, and tying it right back into eaten helpful content update. Like what does that all mean for a business, whether it's a small business, mid-sized business or an enterprise enterprise business? No, I think that that's, and you know, we're joking, I was joking around about the HC, helpful content update, the, the SEO jargon, the HCU. Um, like we get acronyms every yes, day, right? you do. Uh, but helpful content update effectively was the first time on record 
that a very prescriptive update that was about uh, site level quality where it was stated explicitly. I know in the past it's actually been the case. It's just that one if one part of your site is bad, it can influence mm-hmm. the good parts of your site. So that's the ultimate de-siloing if you get into an organization. Yes. And I'll bring this back to the one-person shop, but um, if you go in there and you're like, hey, folks, all this terrible stuff that we did over here, it's actually hurting all the really good stuff. Like yeah. I like to imagine it as a, the easiest way to, without getting into details, is the hot air balloon. And mm-hmm. a, a negative HCU weight is actually like a sandbag on the hot air balloon. And everybody kind of goes down a little bit. So in, a, in an enterprise or content efficiency um, is going to still mean the same thing. And when I say efficiency, I mean not just how fast we get stuff done. It's how many times, imagine it's batting average, if you want to use a sports analogy. Mm-hmm. How much content creation do I do? How many items do I create? Or how many items do I update, right? And how frequently, when I write an article and publish it, or update an article and publish it, does it achieve the goals that I expected them to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. And so a typical team will be about 10% efficient. That means that they write, 10 articles to get one to be successful with its stated goals. Okay. That's tremendously inefficient, but that's roughly the average. Yeah. Um, so I work with teams to get that number up to 30, 40, 50%. Um, and the way you get there is by really understanding your strengths and weaknesses, but also in being realistic with your goals. Um, yeah. And so if you, everybody can take value from that. So if you're a blogger and you're just starting out, Let's say it's even a brand new site. If you have a brand new site, the only way that you can estimate uh, creation need is through competitive profiling and topic research, right? So I can say, if I'm going to break into this market, I need at least this much content. There's some off-page factors. If I average this, I can give myself a nice range. Okay. So I know that I'm not going to go write this one article and immediately perform, okay? I joke around about this because in a brand new site, because people have all this dogma about brand new sites, you, oh yeah, obviously that's not going to perform, but they don't do the same thing if they're four years in or five years in. They don't have that. Okay, well, yeah, if you go write this article about this new topic that you have no business writing about, it's highly likely it's not going to do well, right? Yeah. Because you don't have any existing clout or power. Yeah. And it's not related to the rest of the content on your site, right? So exactly what's right. the yeah. relevancy of that? Yeah. There's, then, there's all sorts of things, right? So especially on the enterprise enterprise level, they have um, index pages that have, you know, maybe for a download of something mm-hmm. that doesn't have a lot of content or um, just not really relevant. It's more right. there for... You know, maybe it was probably more for a paid campaign, but it was indexed, whatever it may be. But um, okay. yeah. yeah, so you know, go de-index that and uh, increase. Or, or it can be, or, or you can, it can be okay, right? Yeah. As long as you understand that that page isn't for that purpose and yeah. it's documented, and you're working within that construct. So many times, I watch people do audits, and they'll sort descend by organic traffic and they'll delete the low numbers. And I'm like, that's like closing your eyes and pulling teeth out of your jaw. You have no idea what you're actually doing. You don't know which pages are support 
for your pages generating power. So I always imagine, just just imagine when you delete a page without knowing uh, yeah. its influence, you're, that you're actually like pulling a, a, a random tooth out of your mouth and then you'll stop doing it. <laughs> my, yeah. my, buddy's a tech, my buddy's a technical SEO for, um, for CoStar and he, yeah. had this great, he had this great graphic um, and it said, it was uh, don't delete pages without, in this case, talking to us. And um, it wasn't Echo Store, it was a previous company's app. And it, it showed a page getting deleted. And then it was like as if somebody had like a terrible, terrible infection <laughs> throughout yeah. the So, yeah, you got, you got to be thinking about thinking about all those things is critical, you know? So I, I think uh, for sure. I mean, it's not even just, you know, was that page hyperlinking to these other pages? It could be that, that, was seen as part of that classification of that entity on that site from right. Google. Mm -hmm. And now you've taken, and maybe it was written, it didn't have traffic, but it was written, Google saw it as important for that entity. And once you take it away, yep. now your classification uh, for that topic is not so high anymore. So you're losing. Yeah. So, so often that's the situation and people don't know it. Yeah. Um, you, and, and you know it gets it gets uh, exaggerated by the market because they're frequently um, there's a there's a you know it seems fun to do something drastic like delete and redirect and then stuff goes up you know see this this is good but that's the exception it's not the rule I always, I always say whenever you see it as a as a uh, uh, quick quick hit or a um, instant win. Um, Oftentimes those are exceptions, not rules, or oftentimes they're very risky for your business. And if you do them, is your brand a big brand or a brand you want to be around in five years? Um, you know, you might want to not want to take those risks if you want to be around next year, you know. And, and for the larger type of business, mid-sized enterprise, usually those decisions are not coming from the, the writer or from the SEOs. They're coming from another department, department or somebody, somebody up much higher, higher saying we're going to get, get rid of this content, content and there's okay and and, and, and so, so that is a business concession that you make because you you have no authority at that point you just have to do it and then you redirect it towards the most logical topical thing that you can uh sometimes that has influence and sometimes it doesn't right um, um but that's gonna be uh it's gonna be very frustrating so uh so, so there's, there's a lot, lot of stuff going, going on with, with the company. company. There's, there's a lot, lot of products, products that, are, that are there, there. Uh, uh, two, uh, two or three main products. Uh, I, I love, love the, the, the content. content. Yeah. Do, Do you want to talk to the other listeners about um, any type of current, current authors or, or, or anything, anything you'd like, like to promote? Or One thing I'd love to promote. Um, so, so we have a free offering. I'm always good for promotion. You know that. I think you really get the experience of Market Me is when you're Understanding, understanding you get, get some ideas, ideas for quick, quick wins or planning and prioritization and I, I, would I would definitely get, get into the um you know get get it see if you can get a demo if that's something that's going to be meaningful for you improve content efficiency um shoot me a note jeff at marketnews.com we can figure that out um but also keep an eye out in january we have a um, major release coming uh, across all of our products, um, and it brings two workflows into the market that no one's ever done before, um, where it's gonna allow our premium offering uh, users to do an instant cluster analysis of their website. Nice. Um, and also 
get a, it's called reflect, get a reference of when you're looking for a word, like a keyword research motion, um, you can get a, 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 a list of all the semantically related concepts that you have coverage on amongst that model and how well you've covered those. So you can instantly see, let's say you look something up and there's 50 related topics. You've got only six of them with adequate coverage. Right. And that's never been done before at the site level. So you actually can see. Oh, that's fantastic. So it's going to allow you to really form strategy as to where your weakness is, where you can uh, bolster that up and you can probably dive down and say, okay, what, what can we tackle here? Right. Which then makes your content calendar uh, update once they make some choices, and then you're actually, you know, bolstering up your authority on the whole topic. Yeah, just, just imagine being able to, and you know, we have your entire inventories on demand. So imagine you're looking up a topic and you see that it's going to be easy for you. Well, I want to dive down and research all those related topics and see do I have coverage of those. So you because cluster development can sometimes be a recursive topic thing. It can also be where you're getting into intents, where you're looking at you've mentioned questions a few times, word variants. Um, so variants and questions as well as your coverage all smashed together. Um, that's the process we all do manually or we do shortcuts manually. And I would anyone that's talking about clusters and they're only looking at keyword variants Mm -hmm. Or they're only looking at questions. Um, this is the step they're missing. So, so to, to, just to drive that home for everybody. Um, so if somebody's just using a keyword tool, we won't make, mention any names. But if they're using and they're looking very singularly at um, keywords and maybe they're saying, oh, give me some questions on those keywords or that. What's the difference from clusters and, and looking at it this way versus that tool? So they can just see the vast difference of what the tool is. Sure. So... Questions analysis is very critical. Um, I have a questions application, and questions uh, should always be part of your analysis because those are explicit, typically specific or explicit intent that live within a topic. Um, so when you're looking up a topic, you're going to have, if you were to be the expert on this concept, on the pages that represent that expertise, what are the other concepts that would naturally be mentioned? That's mm -hmm. the first question. Now, what other pages would you naturally have if you were an expert on this particular thing? And then underneath those, you have um, uh, intense variants. You have stages of a buyer, buyer journey that connect to these keyword variants or those questions to answer. So it all weaves together to have all of them. A lot of times, um, people will... There's an old technique called long tailing. Right. For the buyer's journey, we have the earlier informational content for what is the whatever it is in earlier and for in the information stage where uh, if we're looking at the buyer's journey that they are doing their research uh, before they make a business choice as to a list of who they're going to go after for their product or their service, right? Yep. Then there's the product type of keyword where they've kind of known the business, right, at this point. So it's more about the offering. And then there's usually um, keywords for after the person has bought and they're coming back and they're trying to, did I make the right decision in buying this, per, this uh, whatever it is? Right. right, and, and kind, kind to reassure, reassure them of that. And 
I'm sure there are e-commerce ones, and there are probably other stages that we're not they're not covering here, but that's kind of the gist, right? So. Uh, how does that work with the? Uh, I just wanted to explain that to everybody. But no, I'm, I'm so glad you did. Yeah, awareness, consideration, purchase, top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnel. If you work at IBM, it's care, consider, choose. By the way, here's your this is your tip. It's worth the price of admission for this entire podcast. Don't forget post purchase troubleshooting, uh, implementation, content for your customers. Whether you're selling microphones or fifty thousand dollars software products. You want content for your customers, um, the, the problems that they continue to have as customers of you. Um, don't don't forget about that. That's a secret uh, that fits into your clusters really, really well. And it gives you a huge competitive advantage. Um, uh, but yeah, when you're building out content, it's not one page, one word. Um, and you can't just, I, I like to say, I'm sorry, I'm making a two teeth analogy in one. Uh, oh, okay. Long tailing is, is like having teeth without a jaw. Um, some of them might look pretty and might do okay, but it's not telling the story that you actually can bite something, right? Right. So, yeah, so a lot of times you see long tail, you wrote, a, oh, how, how do you get bees out of your garage? And then it was like, uh, how do you, you know, you know, how do you, how do you build an aviary, aviary in my backyard? It's like, so I'm going to trust that you and your site knows everything about beekeeping because you wrote those two pages. Right. For a long time, people thought because they were looking at page level, uh, search results page level difficulty without the construct of the sites playing in that zone, they thought it was very easy. And you actually could do that to some degree. Right. Um, it, it's, it's, dry, it's dried up from being a uh, long-term strategy. You can get away with it here and there. It doesn't make any sense. To, to, that you would be the expert on how to get bees out of your garage if you aren't, you know, if you don't have infrastructure on bees, on pest control, whatever it is. If you love bees, do you hate bees? We don't even know, you know. So you got to be able to, um, uh, you got to be able to tell the story that you actually are the person who should be answering that question first. Which ties right back into E, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, right, if we don't have content that shows our expert. Uh, our expert level of, of whatever that topic is, right? Uh, we can't be seen as an authority, and we certainly, the site is not trustworthy because we're only covering just some random pieces, right? Yep. So, yeah. Awesome. Pretty well, that, awesome. That's a good point. I'm glad, that, I'm glad to talk about that because I think a lot of people think they don't know where to start. They see all these tactics, um, and you know, the reality is if you have experts or you have access to experts, Getting everything you can out of those brains and into formats that appeal to the way that people buy or think about your offering or product, make that your priority. Forget about everything else. Use that as your foundation. Don't, you know, get inputs from all the different groups, customer support, customer success, sales, product, get all the inputs in there and have your site represent who you really are as a company and then worry about the rest. Right, and and just to just to remind everybody, we're doing this for users. We're doing this for the person who is searching for this information. We're not doing this for search engines. So yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot out there um, where you know you can do stuff for search engines. There are exceptions to every rule. You can still do stuff and get away with it, but you can't get away with it forever 
and your business is more important yep. than that tactic. And so if, unless you're in the business, you're at a turn and burn, or if your website goes away, you just build a new one, you know, which you can be, there are worlds like that, affiliate, for example, but if you're not and you're building your business so that this brand can last, you need to take this advice um, because building for the future means you have to weigh those risks uh, on content tactics like that. So if you're going to do anything um, to, you know, to trick the system or anything like that, you know, um, that's not good advice and it's not, it will not be, uh, it will not reap much of a benefit in the long term for your entrepreneurial journey if one day you wake up and you have no track. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on board. Uh, thank you so much. This has been absolutely amazing information. It's, it's great to hear uh, about the product. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again, uh, hopefully very soon. So uh, thank you so much for joining the uh, podcast. All right. Thanks so much, Matt. It's been a pleasure and it's been a fun a fun walk through uh, the journey and, and given some you know, advice that I hope that if anyone's thinking about, um, you know, taking the leap, uh, first of all, you know, it's probably going to be worth it in one way, shape or another. It probably isn't going to be worth it in the way you think it's going to be worth it. Um, so it, I would say, you know, where you think you'll land, you probably won't land, but it'll be worth it. Well, thanks once again. Okay. Are you ready to break through to accelerate online business growth? Then join our email list at emjpodcast.com so we can keep you up to date with the latest strategies, tips, and tricks that you'll want to know. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is the EMJ Podcast with Matt Hepburn, and we'll see you next time.